Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is July 27th. Today we're going to continue in Acts chapter 17. Yesterday we talked about this sermon that Paul is giving on Mars Hill in Athens when he stands and he says that he found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. We talked about the importance of understanding who it is we worship, of knowing God, and that how when we know God, knowing our relationship with him becomes even more powerful because we're not just children of God, we're children of an all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing God. So Paul is going to continue and he's going to teach them more about God. In verse 24, it says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Now, that's an interesting phrase because we do believe that the temples are the house of the Lord. But it's important to recognize what Paul is saying in the context in which he's saying. He's saying he doesn't come to the altars that you build him just because you build them. He's not bound just because you happen to build an altar to him. I love how he starts out saying God made the entire world and everything that's in it. He puts that into context before saying, so what are these temples? What are these altars that you think you're building to him? God doesn't need your altars. He created you. He created the world. He goes on in verse 25 to say, Neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Paul is trying to teach us and to remind us that that God doesn't need anything from us. He is not needing us to worship him. He's not needing us to create things with our hands in order to worship him and to remember him. He doesn't need us to make temples. He doesn't need us to keep the commandments. He doesn't need us to do the things that he's asked us to do. Rather, he invites us to do all those things because he knows how desperately we need him. We are in need of his redemption. We are in need of his grace. We are in need of his love and his mercy. We are in need of the atonement of Jesus Christ. We are in need of the commandments to guide us and to keep us safe and to mold and change our hearts. So it's almost laughable to Paul that these people are creating an altar to an unknown God, thinking that that God needs them to do that. He doesn't need that from them, but they desperately need him and they desperately need to come to know him. My sister recently returned home from a trip to Greece, and something that's fascinating that she talked about that they learned there was how much the ancient Greeks conformed and revolved their life around trying to please their deity. In fact, there was one island that everyone completely moved off of it because they felt like the gods were mad if people were born there or died there. My friends, God doesn't ask things from us because he needs us to do them. Rather, he extends invitations Because he understands that in this life, in this world that we live in, we desperately need him. And so he invites us to do things so that we can better come to know him and access him. So Paul continues on in verse 26 and said, And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might fill after him, and find him, 
though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. I absolutely love that because then he pulls it back. He tries to teach, okay, this is who God is. And now he pulls us into what is our relationship to him. He starts out by saying that he's made one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. He's saying we are all his blood. We are all his children. And being his children, that should dictate how we see him, yes, but also how we see one another. I think this is especially important with Paul saying this to the Greeks, teaching them that they are brothers, even though they have a different way of believing. Listen to how President Hinckley said it. He said, I often think of Longfellow's couplet, there is so much of bad in the best of us and so much of good in the worst of us that it ill becomes any of us to talk about the rest of us. My heart has resonated with Paul's declaration to the men of Athens, and God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Each of us, from various religious denominations, believes in the fatherhood of God, although we may differ in our interpretations of him. Each of us is part of a great family, the human family, sons and daughters of God, and therefore brothers and sisters. We must work harder to build mutual respect and attitude of forbearance with tolerance for one another, regardless of the doctrines and philosophies which we may espouse. Concerning these, you and I may disagree, but we can do so with respect and civility. To those who are members of the church of which I am a member, I call attention to these words of Joseph Smith, spoken in July of 1843. If it has been demonstrated that I have been willing to die for a Mormon, I am bold enough to declare before heaven that I am just as ready to die in defending the rights of a Presbyterian, a Baptist, or a good man of any other denomination. This, I hope, can be my standard. Catholics, Protestants, Mormons, Greek Orthodox, Muslim, and people of various racial backgrounds and ethnic origins, thank you for the respect you exemplify and cultivate, for the tolerance you nourish, for the spirit of forbearance and civility which you demonstrate. We must continue, even more vigorously, to work unitedly for the common good, teaching our children to do likewise, so that the world, at least in some small measure, may be healed of its wounds and spared the scars of further conflict. I plead with our people everywhere to live with respect and appreciation for those not of our faith. There is so great a need for civility and mutual respect among those of differing beliefs and philosophies. We must not be partisans of any doctrine of ethnic superiority. We live in a world of diversity, and we can and must be respectful toward those with whose teachings we may not agree. We must be willing to defend the rights of others who may become victims of bigotry. I love what he says there, how even if at our very core we differ with someone else, I feel like my religious beliefs are at the very core of who I am. And if my core is different from someone else's, it's there that I have to seek and strive for tolerance, love, respect, kindness, 
And if I need to do that with people who I am super different from, I also have need to do it for those with whom I'm pretty similar as well. Our neighbors, our friends, our ward members, our families, our siblings. In all that we do, no matter who we come in contact with, no matter who we meet, whether we love them or can't stand them, it is our job to remember that our Father in heaven has made one blood of all nations to dwell together in love, kindness, respect. My friends, it is our duty, it's our obligation as children of God to love those around us, our brothers and sisters. Whether we are similar to them or polar opposites, God would have us love, build, respect, and treat with kindness all with whom we come in contact. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen. 